0: Son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. Mm. You may want to have your text open to Matthew chapter 11. Again, we have not abandoned the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, but this will be our foundational text this morning. Not many of you, but a few of you remember Curtis Stevenson. He's a great gentleman. My first year here, which was back in the Neo- Paleolithic era. Uh, But my first year as pastor of this church, I had made some change in how we did things. And um, I'm I'm not going to tell you the details. All you need to know is I had made some change because, after all, I was a seminary-trained pastor, and I knew how things ought to be. And I had made a change. That's right. And uh, Curtis was one of our deacons at the time, and in the deacon's meetings, he, he brought it up. But here's how he did it. He said, you know, Pastor, I really like what you're doing. I just enjoy the way you're doing this particular thing. And, and I, I, I'm really, really enjoying that, Pastor. <laughs> you know, I also enjoyed the way we did it before. And that's all he said. Folks, to this day, we do it the way Curtis liked. It took me about a week and a half to two weeks to realize that this man had told me I was wrong. And I had enjoyed it. He told me I was completely off base and I needed to rethink the thing. And I felt like, wow, you know, I'm having a great experience here. And that's when I realized that among his other great gifts, Curtis Stevenson had the gift of being gentle with me. Gentleness goes a long way. Most of us don't really believe that. What what we think is that anger goes a long way. Uh, If somebody's doing something wrong, what do you need to do? Well, you need to line them up, look them square in the eye and say, You know you... bug here's what's wrong with you your mind your thinking and by the way your dog is ugly you know and we just we just sort of dump on the poor person and we feel like this is the way that you get things done you you just set them straight and we use all kinds of ways to to justify that we say things like I just speak my mind yeah, like that's a, you know, a really neat thing. Or, I just tell it the way it is. No, you tell it the way you think it is. You don't know how it is. No. And uh, we have this idea like it's some kind of virtue to, to get in somebody's face and to yell at them or to get mad at them or to, or to browbeat them. Some of us think that's the way God works, don't we? We think that God's all about anger and wrath, that God is up there in heaven and having nothing better to do. He's spying on us, waiting for us to mess up on some little thing. Doesn't have to wait long, but he's just waiting for us to to do something that's a little bit out of line with God's will and then he, pow, he zaps us from heaven. He makes life miserable. He, he makes us feel bad about ourselves. He makes things go wrong. He makes us sick. He, all this other thing. I mean, you know, we're, we're sort of convinced that God is up there and he's just taking this sort of glee and dumping wrath and anger on top of us. Now there's something to the wrath of God. Don't forget it but our father in heaven is gentle with us as a father pitieth his children that's the way God is with us you know some people grow up in legalistic homes you know you grow up in a a religious household where religion is sort of this Toxic thing that is dumped on the little people in the house. You know, a lot of times it, it, it's a case where uh, the dad, uh, knowing that there's God in heaven, then there's dad, then there's a wife, then there's children and wow, I'm in authority here. And so if the kid steps out of line, pow! Kid does one little thing wrong, you know, just slap him up the side of the head. You know? And let me tell you, dads, if that's you, stop it! S-T-O-P, new word, I-T, period. Stop it. Well, <laughs> we have this idea that, that, that we just need to unload on people with this kind of irrational anger that just brings heat to a situation. And it doesn't invite anybody to respond out of a creativity or growth or maturity. They're just responding to get you off their back and out of their life. But that's the way we, we act so often. Least you know, little thing, I'm going to get angry at you. Unless we have the other kind of uh, uh, psychological uh, 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 problem, and that's where we're uh, sort of cold and indifferent to people. Nobody makes me mad because I just don't care about you. You, know? you can do whatever you want. It doesn't bother me because I don't care what you do. I don't care who you are. And that kind of cold indifference is, is the same kind of defense mechanism. It's keep people at a distance, don't let you into my life, I don't have to deal with you. Instead of being angry and keeping you away, I'm just cold and indifferent and uninviting, And so you can stay at a distance, and so I just, I just don't care about you. And you can see what happens in a marriage that has either one of these extremes, where it's anger all the time or it's cold indifference. It's not much of a relationship. When the Greeks thought about those two extremes, they thought about what does it mean to walk the right path between those two, the the irrational anger and the cold indifference. And they came up with a word. The the word is uh, prautetas. I won't say that again. If you missed it, it's too bad. (laughs) But this was the word they used to define the attitude that was somewhere between You know, irrational anger and cold indifference. And when we come across that word in the Greek New Testament, we translate it as gentleness. Gentleness is the ability to be involved in somebody's life for their welfare, being creative, without being irrationally angry or coldly indifferent, but lovingly involved for their benefit and their welfare that's why in Galatians 5.23 we've actually made progress we're a verse along now but in Galatians 5.23 we read that the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness because that's how God has dealt with us He has dealt with us not out of some irrational anger that would just destroy us on the spot. He hasn't been coldly indifferent and left us to our own devices that we might wander into an eternity of darkness. But rather in kindness, He has come to us and He has shown us our error and He has shown us that we are wrong. He's given us a way to be improved. And when you... Uh, connect up with god by faith and that grace of god works in your life and you realize he's showing you the sin and he's showing you how to repent and he's showing you how to be a new creation in christ and he's doing all this by the work of the holy spirit you realize god has just told me i was wrong but he's made me right again and it's a cause of praise and rejoicing for what he has done god has been gentle gentle with us When we run across that that word um, that shall not be repeated uh, in the Greek New Testament, it's it's usually translated as gentle or gentleness, uh, but there's another way that it's translated, and that's meekness. In fact, if you grew up on the King James Bible, the authorized version, and you learned the fruit of the Spirit, uh, you would have said meekness, not gentleness. You would have said meekness. Now, in 1611, meekness was a really good word to translate that Greek word, okay? Um, in 1611 it made sense but today people don't view meekness the same way when we see that word meek we think weak we think someone who's a casper milk toast someone who just uh, sits on the side excuse me for living i'm I'm just going to go over here do you mind if i breathe and uh Look, if I'm in the way, I can, I can go somewhere else. And, but, uh, you know, is it okay? And, and we think of meekness as someone who's inconsequential and who is uh, uh, just sort of an undesirable kind of thing. And so we, we connect the idea of meekness with weakness, and we're wrong to do that, but that's sort of the general uh, feeling that people have. And so when they go to the uh, Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We don't get it because how can weak people inherit the earth? It's pretty clear the strong people are are inheriting the earth. It's pretty clear that those who are able to get their way and to just sort of uh, browbeat their way uh, through relationships and, and problems and situations, those are the people who are getting ahead. And the and the and the and the, the, the people who are retiring and just sort of you know the, the, you know I hope I don't bother you know you know those people they're not getting anywhere. But when you understand that the word has more. To do with gentleness. Blessed are those who, because God has been gentle to them, are gentle themselves, and who do not dump irrational anger into the world, nor do they become a conduit for cold indifference. But blessed are the gentle who interact with other people in a loving way that is compassionate, realistic, understanding, forgiving, merciful, and able to bring about the welfare and the edification of that other person. Blessed are those kind of gentle people because the earth is theirs. Now, just on a very simple level, folks, if you learn to be gentle in life, you'll get a lot further. You, know, you, you think that, uh, you know, the, the, the bossy person, the overbearing person, you, you, you think they're getting ahead. But, but, folks, if you learn to be gentle the way God has been gentle with you, the earth is yours. The earth is yours. And so, uh, when we read the word that, uh, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness... Uh, We might say meekness, and that connects us up with the Sermon on the Mount. Just understand, it's the same Greek word or word family. It has to do with gentleness. Now, let's confess something. Gentleness isn't real high on our list of things we're worried about. When you read the, the nine... In, in, in Protestant in parlance, but when you read the nine um, fruit that are expressed there as, as fruit of the of the Spirit, when you read those things, where did your eye go? Fruit of the Spirit is love. Yes, want that love? I want to be loved. I want to be loving. I, I know I should be more loving, and and we just sort of say, yeah, yeah. So love, love up there at the top of this joy yeah yeah joy is a really good thing patience we got you nailed there i mean uh patience we all know well i need more patience and we all agonize why don't i have more patience i wish i could have it now i can have it you know you know and so patience is way up the list but folks when was the last time you really you know agonized over the fact that wow i wish i was more gentle i i just wish i was more gentle with people Now, it doesn't rank real high there until you understand where it fits into the character and the nature of Christ. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. The the Holy Spirit, as we've been studying, the Holy Spirit works in the life of the believer to produce a Christ-like character and nature within us, to conform us to, to the image of God's dear Son. And so if gentleness is a part of what the Holy Spirit is doing to conform us to the image of Christ, then it seems to be pretty important. And I want for us to take a, a, a notice uh, for for a few minutes on how gentleness sort of worked in the in the mind of Christ in this one instance it 's Matthew chapter eleven. We read it a moment ago, starting at verse twenty five and running through verse thirty. Now you may have recognized this a uh, passage of scripture father I thank you that you haven't revealed these things to the wise and the understanding but to the, but but to children and you know no one knows the father but the son uh, no one knows the son but the father you know you can't know the father unless the son you know all come unto me all ye who uh, labor and heavy laden just a marvelous passage I mean it's one of those passages that when you read it you just you just want to turn your face heavenward and thank the father and praise him how he's worked in our midst. So a lot of grace going on in this paragraph of Scripture, but I want to point you to verse 29, about halfway through it, uh, as, as Jesus is talking about these things. and We'll back up and look at those in a moment. But he says, Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle. Now, there's a couple of ways to take the Greek grammar, but I'm going to take it this way. He says... Take my yoke, and the foundation for that, the reason I say this, is because I'm gentle. You can trust me. When you come to me, you know that I'm not going to smack you down. When you come to me, you know I'm not going to wag my finger in your face and tell you everything that you did wrong that you already know you did wrong. When you come to me, I'm not going to pull out the scriptures and pull out verse after verse after verse to make you feel like just the, the scum of the earth and like a worthless human being. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pull out the love and the mercy of God. I'll pull out the word and I'll give you the whole truth about it. You'll learn about the wrath, but you will also learn about the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You can come to me because I am gentle with you and so gentleness within christ is the foundation it's the basis upon which he says everything in this paragraph of scripture that's that's why we're looking at it because if we know that that's the foundation for what he says then by looking at what he says we see reflections on what gentleness meant to jesus okay you understand why we're here nod yes or we'll be here all morning all right so we know why we're here let's back up to verse 25 jesus declared at that time i thank you father lord of heaven and earth that's pretty big I thank you, Father, who happens to have created the entire universe, who has sovereignty over everything that exists, who has the absolute right and prerogative to accomplish anything according to his will. I thank you, Father, you're the Lord of heaven and earth. Everything that exists falls underneath your sway. Father, I thank you. And here's why I thank you. Because though you are Lord and sovereign of the universe, possessed with all righteousness and goodness and wisdom and power, all those things, Lord of heaven I thank you that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and you've revealed them to little children. What's he saying? He says, Father, I thank you that you didn't make us come up to where you are. You came down to where we are. Father, I thank you that you didn't put some impossible burden upon us that we have to attain the wisdom of heaven before we can know you. I thank you, Father, that I don't have to study and get an academic degree in Torah. I don't have to be a Sadducee and a Pharisee and a scholar and a scribe. I don't have to be the kind of person who's just got everything nailed down in a systematic philosophical system. I don't have to have all the answers. Father, I thank you that when you dealt with us, you didn't make us achieve in order to be noticed, but you noticed us in order that we might achieve father i thank you that you dealt with us like little children you see gentleness gentleness understands where we are when you're gentle with somebody you understand where they are coming from Um, you know i want people to understand me you really ought to understand me i'm not that complicated a person and so if i say something that's a little snippy you should understand that I was having a bad day. You should understand that maybe I'm a little depressed. You should understand that, well, I didn't mean anything by it, but, you know, it I, I just slipped out. You should understand that, well, I'm a little sick today and under the weather. You should understand me. On the other hand, the moment you say something that's out of line, well, i got to straighten you out, give you a piece of my mind, tell you what I think. You see, we want people to understand us, and we do precious little understanding of others. It wouldn't take much prayer, but at least a little more than we're doing for us to start looking at people differently and understanding where they are. um, Oh, how blessed the home is where parents understand their children and understand and are gentle with their children. Jesus said, I thank you, Father, you deal with us like children. You know, you got children in the household or grandchildren in your life. Uh, have you noticed something? They're out of control. These little human beings, you know, if you just wind them up and let them go, they're, they're going to destroy everything. You know, I know this to be true. I have scientific proof. You ever see a little kid walk into the the gymnasium or CLC? They walk into the gym, they walk in, the moment they see all this open space, what's the first thing they do? They start running around. And then they go find a ball. I don't know how it is. These kids are the best lock pickers I know. I lock that closet door. Invariably, out comes a ball. And they're kicking the ball. We're all having our nice little stewardship banquet. They're kicking the ball all over the place. They're kicking it against the wall. They're kicking it against the, the, the thermostat casing so they can break it. I mean, it's, it's like they're aiming for it. This is what kids do. This is what children do. Now, you leave it up to me. What am I going to do? I'm going to pull out the duct tape and tape them all to the wall. (laughs) What, What is the loving Heavenly Father going to do? He's going to guide that. He's going to say, you know, these kids are having the time of their life, and someday, when life is against them and they don't know where to turn, they're going to think to themselves, I'm so sad today. When was I ever happy? And they could say, I was happy in church. I was happy in church. You know, we, we've got a hallway right right out here. It goes into the, the education building. It's a straight hallway. I think it's about 195 feet long. When I saw that hallway on the architect's plan, before we had turned a, a shovel full of dirt, I just knew every child in the church was going to want to race the length of that hallway. saw a kid the other day. I, I, I can't remember who it was, but a cute child. But, uh, you know... <laughs> He came running up the hallway, got almost to his dad, and he said, you know, that was funny. He turned around and started running the other way again. He was going to just keep going back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> you know, one of the most useless things you can say as a parent is, well, let's just take our children out to play and tire them out. <laughs> Mom and dad come in tired. The kids come in ramped up. I mean, they're, they're ready to go. <laughs> this is what children do. Children are figuring life out. They're trying to put life into perspective. They're trying to, uh, to understand what's expected of them. They're trying things. They're failing. They're stumbling. They're falling. Hey, they're children. You know, happy the child whose mom and dad are gentle with them and understand where they're coming from and delight, delight in dealing with their children as children because that's the way our Father in heaven has dealt with us. We're confused a lot of the time. We're just trying to figure things out. We break stuff. We didn't know we weren't supposed to break it. Honest. You know, I thought people made lamps so I could come up and break them. You know, and, and why did you put something on the table if you didn't want me to knock it off? God understands where we are. And he deals with us for who we are. So Jesus said, I thank you, God. I thank you, Father that you deal with us as children out of the gentleness of your heart. And not only that, in verse um, 26, he says, Yes, Father, such was your gracious will. Not only does he deal with us gently as children, but it is his pleasure to do so. This is a delight to God. This is what, what makes him happy, is to love us and to be gentle with us as children. Well, let's read on in verse 27. Then Jesus says... It says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. By the way, that sentence makes no sense at all unless Jesus is God. You know, somebody tells you, the Bible never says Jesus is God. All right, but there's a bunch of stuff in there that doesn't make any sense if he's not. And this is one of them. It says, the Father's given everything to me. Well, God can't give everything to, to Jesus unless Jesus is God. I mean, not, I hate to do theology on you, but but that, that's what's going on here. This verse is deeply, powerfully uh, what we call Christological. It's about Jesus. It teaches about the relationship, the eternal relationship of of, of Jesus the Son with God the Father. Um, it, it, here, let, I'll, I'll read on. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. You know, there, there, there's some folks who say, well, that, that's just generally true. He's not saying anything about himself. He's not saying anything about uh, the father in eternity with the son. You know. Like, it's just a general proverb. Nobody knows dad but the son. Nobody knows the son but the dad. Let me tell you, if it's a proverb, it's wrong. It says no one knows the, the father but the son. I think mom knows him. I think brothers and sisters know him. I think his dad and mom know him. I think the neighbor's home. In fact, you know, until you go through th- uh, therapy, the son hardly knows the father at all. So, you know, just as a general observation of the human condition is just off base. It only makes sense if Jesus is saying, God the Father knows God the Son, and God the Son knows God the Father, and they know each other in a uniquely profound eternity of love that that binds them together in glory. That's where I'm from, folks, he says. No one knows uh, the Father but the Son. Uh, Okay, so no one knows the Father except the Son, By the way, if the verse ends there, we are sunk. No one knows God the Father but God the Son. And if the verse stops there, we have no hope. That's why the the next word in the English translation is slathered in grace. No one knows the Father except the Son and grace. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him... That's grace, folks. That's giving us something we don't deserve. That's giving us a relationship that we could never generate ourselves. Jesus says, I I reveal the Father to you. Now what's going on there? Jesus says, and I don't lose sight of why I'm here. And I don't lose sight of the goal and the purpose of all this. He says, I'm here to reveal the Father to you. Teaching great, miracles great, healing great. You know, religious discussion's great. He says, but I'm here to show you the Father. I'm here so that you would know the Father. Out of the gentleness of his heart, he brings us to our Father in heaven. Now, here's the thing. Gentleness as a quality that the Holy Spirit generates in the believer, gentleness doesn't lose sight of the goal. And the goal is the glory of God. Again, some of you have children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews. You you got little human beings in your life. You know why they're there? You're being punished? No. <laughs> they are in your life for the glory of God. Mom, dad, you're looking at your, at your little one and you're scratching your head again trying to figure out what's going on in your head and, and you have no idea. You know, what am I to do with you? Here, here it is. I don't know exactly what you're going to say and do. That depends on the situation. But the ultimate goal is the glory of God. Your purpose as a mom and dad is to lead your children to Christ. That they would know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I want my kids to be happy, Yes. I want them to be content, yes. I want them to be competent, yes. I want them to be self-sufficient, yes. I want them to be able to earn an income, yes. I want them to live long enough to take care of their mom and dad in, in, in our old age and keep us in a lifestyle to which we've grown accustomed, yes. I want all these things. But, folks, it means nothing if you don't lead them to Christ, if you don't bring Jesus into the home with gentleness with a gentle spirit, dealing with your children the way God dealt with you, understanding that these little human beings, they're going to say some nutty things and they're going to wander around and, you know, someday they're actually going to turn out okay. But your task is to lead them to Jesus that's what gentleness is about Jesus said out of my gentleness because I am gentle I am bringing the father to you just think about your relationships you know in work for example you've got the boss who's domineering and overbearing and it's hard to imagine but it happens you know and, and you just don't know what to do and every day it's just a burden to get there you know why that boss is in your life It's so that you can manifest the glory of God in his presence hard to do that's what a gentle spirit does how can I bring the glory of God into this the glory of the Father into this so Jesus says I'm I'm, I'm doing this because I'm gentle and and out of my gentleness I bring you to the Father I bring you to the throne of the Father let's read on and then verse 28 come to me all who labor they're heavy laden I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me Great invitation of Scripture. First meaning of salvation, folks. Come to me, all of you, who are, you're just bowed down by the weight of sin. You're bowed down by the weight of care, and, 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 and you're, you're just under this tremendous burden of life. Jesus said, come to me, all of you. There's no asterisk there. You won't look at the bottom of the page. The little asterisk says, except you. Yeah. Come to me, all who... Labor, And all of you who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And this rest that Jesus gives isn't a little catnap. And when you wake up, you got to start all over again. You're on your own. This rest is more like the Sabbath rest. This rest is more like the rest that God had when he created all of the universe in six days. On the seventh day, what does it say? He rested. Did that mean God stopped doing stuff? Absolutely not. God rested because everything was in its place doing what it ought to do, bringing him glory and honor and praise. And he rested in the rightness of the universe, the goodness, as he said. And when we come to Jesus and he gives us rest, it is resting in the knowledge that he makes everything good and he works for our well-being. And everything is right as we live and walk in him. A lot more could be said about this. But, that, but that's, that's the general uh, meaning of the verse. That, that when you are apart from God and under heavy burden, come to Jesus. He says, come to me, I'll give you rest. Now, the context is he's talking to people who are under the burden of the law. Uh, The Sadducees and the Pharisees were telling them, look, you've got to keep the law, every bit of it. We've we've lined it out for you, minute detail. you, you, You miss out. God doesn't love you. You've got to be a certain kind of person before God will love you. If you're a leper unclean, God doesn't love you. If you're blemished in some way, you're blind or you're, or you're lame or, 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 you know, some kind of deformity, God won't love you as much as he loves other people. And Jesus said, look, that's a heavy burden to put on people. He says, and I don't do that kind of thing. Take my yoke on you because my burden is... My yoke is easy. He'll say later on, right? He'll say, my yoke is easy. That means it fits you perfectly. That means when you when you have the yoke and you're, uh, 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 of Jesus, it, it, it's, it's, it's comfortable and form-fitting, and it gets the work done. He's talking about a human yoke, by the way, not an ox yoke um, uh, that, that goes across the shoulders and allows you to lift up with ease the, the, the task before you. He says, I, I've fitted... T- this to you perfectly that's what happens when you come to me you take my yoke and it's easy and it's light it's not an impossible demand it's something that god does in us by the power of his holy spirit folks have you ever been in the moments of life when you've just been absolutely bushed i mean you're just just exhausted and you can't take another step Come to me, Jesus said. Come to me, all of you, all of you, all of you. You're working hard. The burden is heavy. Come to me. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. See, the the gentleness of Jesus leads him to work and move for our well-being in life. This is Jesus who by right had all the glory of heaven belong to him. Jesus who by right could walk into the throne room of God and all the angels would bow down, all the saints would cast their crowns down before him, and he could walk up to the throne of the Father and take his seat at the right hand. That was his right. But this Jesus emptied himself and took the form of a man and being found in in, in the, in the fashion of a servant. He became obedient, even obedient unto death, the death of the cross, and he did that for us, and Jesus said, "I did that out of my gentleness towards you. I did this as a way to be gentle toward you so um, so and as, as we 're running up to this this The the reason that we're in this passage, Jesus said, look, God deals with us. He understands who we are. He keeps the goal in mind. He keeps the purpose uh, of of the glory of God in mind. And uh, he he deals with us gently for our well-being. And he explains why. And if we've read it before, it's worth reading again. Verse 29, for I am gentle with you. Now, this, I think, explains why... Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit in the book of Galatians. We haven't forgotten that. The book of Galatians is about what God does by His grace in our lives. We, we, are, we appropriate it by faith, but it's the grace of God from the start to the finish. And part of that grace is the work of God's Holy Spirit with us. You you remember in in, uh, chapter 5, Paul said, well, the deeds or the work of the flesh is, and he listed them out, and we we spent one week on that. Then he says, but the work of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit, and we're spending two months on that. That's the work of God in our lives. And so when you accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. What is the Holy Spirit doing? He is conforming you to the image of Christ, making you look like Jesus. And Jesus is gentle, and His gentleness expresses itself in this love and compassion and understanding, the edification of others. And that gentleness is an expression of who Christ is. And the Holy Spirit is working to bring that up into our lives. And so, um, well, so, and maybe just think of those three things. Gentleness means understanding. It means edifying, working for the well-being of another. It means keeping your eye on the glory of God. That's Christ-like gentleness in our lives. Now, there's two things you can do with that this morning. The one is you can go out of here and say, I am going to be gentle from now on. Get away from me, kid. I'm being gentle. <laughs> you know, and if you want to live a legalistic life of frustration, go right ahead. Let me invite you to do this. You know, just a real simple prayer. Father, show me how Christ is being gentle in me. You know? It'll happen pretty quickly. You'll be sitting at the light, red light, waiting for it to turn green. You notice the car's next to you. You turn on gun the engine. You've never done this. I do. You know, you know, I, I, I drive a CRV. I'm not going to beat anybody in a drag race. But I can get off the line faster than they can. Huh? Okay. So you know, I look over, and it's a county sheriff. <laughs> Folks, this happened on the way to church this morning. You know, I'm not, you know, this this is real life. But, you know, just say, Lord, show me opportunities where I can be gentle. Just remind me the next time I want to unload on somebody that God the Father was gentle with us, gentle with me, understanding towards me. Just pray that God would open your eyes and then take delight in stepping back from what you would have done and said and let the Holy Spirit work in you to be gentle with one another. Now, how many marriages would be transformed if husbands and wives just said, you know, let's just be gentle? How many children would grow up healthy psychologically and spiritually? Mom and dad made sure they were also, among other things, also gentle with their children. How would the world be transformed? How would the body of Christ be transformed? Because the fruit of the Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is doing in the life of the believer to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ, what the Holy Spirit is doing, that fruit, is gentleness. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so thankful you have not required us to be wise and understanding, but you have loved us and dealt with us as children. You come to us time and time again understanding our frailty, understanding that we are dust. You come to us and edify us. Even when you reprove us, you are gentle with us. Father, give us a desire, give us a love that would cause us to be gentle with others, that Christ would be known in our lives.